Well, our, our guest speaker, Marcelo Araujo, was born and raised in a Jewish family in Ecuador, South America. As he grew up, this nice Jewish boy became a political activist who wanted to change the world through Marxism. Marcelo studied drama and eventually formed a politically oriented theater troupe designed to spread the good news of the gospel according to Marx. However, in 1992, Marcelo heard the true good news and was transformed by his relationship with Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. He's, uh, Marcelo's uh, married to Diana, and uh, when he's uh, not out on the road with Chosen People Ministries, he does have a congregation, a mess messianic congregation in Hamilton, Ontario, he serves. So, Marcelo, welcome this morning. Good to have you with us. Please welcome. <laughs> Well, shalom. shalom. Wow. I'm impressed. Either those who responded with shalom are Jewish, or you speak Hebrew. <laughs> so if you speak Hebrew, then I can transition to Ivrit. Yeah? No? But I'm not really satisfied because some of you responded without shalom. So let me begin all over again. But this time around, all of you are going to say it warmly as you really are welcoming me home. So shalom. shalom. It's good to be home this morning. Shalom is a Hebrew word and it means peace. But we Jewish people use it to say hello and to say goodbye. So when we meet someone for the first time, we say shalom once, and then goodbye. We will say it twice, in that way we know whether we're coming or going. <laughs> My name is Marcelo Araujo, and I'm Jewish. I believe in Jesus. Well, some of you that might know someone Jewish, perhaps you're looking at me with, well, he doesn't look Jewish. He may not even sound Jewish, but let me tell you, I'm Jewish 100%. But at the same time, I believe in Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. I work with Chosen People Ministries, and Chosen People Ministries only means that we bring the gospel to Jewish people in a Jewish way. There is a certain way for us to talk to Jewish people about Jesus, the, the Jewish Messiah. I was introduced to the gospel by a Gentile. When he met me, uh, he was bold enough to say, you're a sinner, and you need to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I looked at him in the eye and I said, Ken, you're not some Jewish, I don't sin, blood doesn't cleanse. <laughs> End of story, or so I thought. So we bring the gospel, to Jewish people, but we won't be that direct, blast will. Well, we won't do it that way. But we will approach with the Hebrew Scriptures, with the Old Testament. We will find Jesus in the Old Testament and point to them that he is the Savior of the world. And as Jewish people, they should believe in Jesus. Now, perhaps you're thinking, so what? I'm a Gentile, I'm a Christian Jews don't believe in Jesus, they betray Jesus, and they don't deserve Jesus. Yes, we do. 
He was Jewish. He is Jewish. And being a believer in Jesus is the most Jewish thing to be and to do. How many of you know someone that's Jewish? Please raise your hands. So a few of you. The rest of you don't not, do not know Jesus? Not to worry. Before I leave this place, I will pray for you. So basically, you see, those people who know someone Jewish, you should be praying for them. Because the moment that someone goes into prayer for them, God will answer. And once we come into the kingdom, we become passionate about sharing the gospel, and that's what we do. We bring the gospel to, Jew, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, because it is unavoidable. When I'm talking to someone on the street, it happens to be Gentile. And then if he has a Jewish friend, then he will go to his Jewish friend. Guess what? I met this crazy Jew that believes in Jesus. What do you think about it? So you open a door and then you share Jesus. This morning, I want to share with you a message that we call Messiah in the Passover. Now, if you ask a Jewish person who the hero of Passover is, after giving credit to the Lord, they will tell you Moses, and that's true. But that is not the whole truth. You see, if you ask that same question to some Jewish person who knows as their Messiah, then we will tell you Jesus. Well, some people may wonder, what does Jesus have to do with Passover? Passover is Jewish. Well, so was Jesus. And not only did he, prepare, did he celebrate the Passover every year while he dwelt among us, but I think that he's clearly pictured in all of the symbols of Passover and in the story of Passover itself. For the message of Passover brings the promise of redemption, and the story of Passover is the story of our liberation from bondage. This morning, as we go through this traditional Passover setting, it is my hope that you see it as I view it, as an object lesson of the life and mission of the Passover lamb who takes the sin of the world away. Look closely because here I think you'll see his death, his resurrection, and the promise of his return. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 22. That would be on page 876 in your pew Bibles. If you're having, if you're reading from your cell phone, well, I don't know what page it will be. I'm going to give you a few, a few minutes, and when you get it, you say, if you say amen. Good. Beginning on the seventh verse, we read, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house that he enters and say to the owner, the teacher asks, 
Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal. The first night of Passover begins a seven-day holiday known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And during that time, we eat no leaven or yeast. Why no leaven? Well, through scriptures, leaven is frequently used as a symbol of sin. So during this time, we eat no leaven as a way of saying that we want to break with the daily sin cycle of our own lives. And that's why for six weeks prior to Passover, a Jewish home will undergo a complete spring cleaning. Now, this is the duty and the work of the woman of the house. And we will remove everything that may contain any yeast in it, all the goodies, cakes, cookies, bread, cereals, baking soda, even bagels. Everything has to go. But ladies, did you notice that Luke says that Jesus sent two men to prepare the Passover? So, gentlemen, we are in trouble here. Now, perhaps Jesus sent two men because in Judaism, it is the man that has religious standing before God, not only when it comes to prayer, but also when it comes to ceremonial preparations, which means that the men should be doing all the cleaning. So what happened here? But we are so clever that we came up with the perfect solution for this problem, and we explain it like this. Now, true, the house is spotless because my wife has spent the last six weeks cleaning and removing everything that may contain any yeast in it. But she's been good enough as to take a few crumbs, hidden them somewhere in the house. And it would be up to me to find them. So the night before Passover, I will come back home and I will take some peculiar, strange-looking cleaning tools. They include a napkin, a wooden spoon, and the best one of all, high-tech, a feather. And I will go on what we call the Vedical Hametz, a search for the leaven. Now, where those crumbs could be? Anywhere, up in the attic, down in the basement, under the bed, behind the fridge, anywhere. But fortunately, she's been good enough as to hide them exactly where she's been doing for the last 30 years. <laughs> Finally, I will discover the crumbs. And with a very steady hand, I will sweep the crumbs into the wooden spoon with the feather. Since the crumbs rub sin, I'm not permitted to touch them. I will wrap them up in the napkin. Oh, by the way, this is what I call heavy-duty house cleaning. In some traditions, 
we used to take the bundle of leavening to the courtyard of the synagogue. And all the men of the congregation would gather there, and each one of us would throw our bundle of leaven into a bonfire that they had, they had lit. Today we will do it at home. Then I will proudly proclaim, I have cleansed my old house of all leaven. But just to be certain, I will add, may all manner of leaven which I have neither seen nor removed be considered null and void, and as the dust of the earth. Amen. The house has been cleansed. Home is now ready for the Passover celebration. My ancestors were instructed to eat the Passover meal with loins girded, sandals on our feet, and staffs in hand, ready to go at moments' notice. But today we relax and we recline on pillows. You see, in Middle Eastern societies, only the free could recline at dinner, only the redeemed. On Passover, the head of the house will put on a special ceremonial garments. He will wear a white robe called the kitel. And white because it's the color of royalty. Now, often, Jewish men will cover their heads as a sign of respect before God. And they will use what they call a kippah or a yarmulka. But on Passover, instead of the traditional Yarmulka or kippah, he will wear a mitre. Royal robes and a symbol of a king. I night on Passover night, I am a king, and as a king, I will lead my family through the Passover seder. Seder is a very Hebrew word which means order. Because the Passover celebration follows a very specific order of service. That order of service is written here in this book, which is called an Haggadah, which means the story or the telling. I see that everything is ready for the Passover celebration. There is a traditional greeting at Passover. Let all who are hungry come and eat. Now, to tell you the truth, this morning, I will not serve you lunch because there is no way that I could have come to this building and find a kosher kitchen. All the same, the invitation stands, come celebrate Passover with me. Shalom. The Passover begins with the lighting of the candles. And this is the honor and the duty of the woman of the house. I'm going to volunteer someone. Have the smiley face right there. Sorry for, sorry for pointing out. <laughs> Light the candle. What's your name? Laura. Laura will light the candles. After lighting the candles, Laura will recite the following Hebrew blessing. 
I'm just kidding. Baruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melechaolam Asher Kiddishanu Bemizvotar Visitvanu Lechaz Ligner Shel Pesach Amen Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has set us apart and has commanded us to light the, the paths of our candles. It is only fitting that a woman should kindle these lights, for it reminds me that the Messiah, the light of the world, would come not through the seed of man, but through the seed of woman and the will of God. As the prophet Emmanuel foretold, behold, the virgin shall conceive in Berasan, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, a light to light the nations and glory of your people Israel. Passover isn't just a service, it's a ceremony. And it isn't just a meal, it's a banquet. While a meal in a service may take from one to two hours, the Passover celebration will take at least four hours. Do you think that you can stand me for four hours? And during that time, each adult will drink from his cup four times. The first cup is called the Kiddush cup or the cup of sanctification. Then comes the second cup, the cup of plagues. And then the third cup, the cup of redemption. And this is actually the focal point of the entire ceremony, the cup of redemption. And we will conclude our Passover Seder with the fourth cup, the cup of Hallel, or the cup of praise. But it is with this first cup, the Kiddush cup, the cup of sanctification that the host will offer a blessing for all the ceremony that will follow. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Amen. Blessed are you, o Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. The ceremony has begun, and the youngest person present would come forward and ask for traditional questions. And they are chanted, and the first one goes like this. Which means, why is this night different from all other nights? Those of us who know the story of Passover are obligated to respond, this is because of me with a death for me when he took me out of the land of Egypt, when he redeemed me with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Redemption is the very heart of Passover. But Passover brings much more than just the message of redemption. It brings the means of redemption itself. <coughs> My ancestors were instructed to take spotless lamb, to roast it whole without breaking any of its bones, and to apply its blood to the doorposts of our homes. First, the two posts, the top of the post, and then to the two side posts. Because of our obedience to God's command, and because of our faith in the effectiveness of his provision, we were spared of the ravages of the tenth place to befall the land of Egypt. For when the angel of death 
saw the blood on our doors. Death was forced to pass over our homes. And that's where we get the name Passover. In Hebrew Pesach, the holiday when we celebrate the day when the angel of death passed over my ancestors' homes because of the blood, the blood of the lamb. Picture Passover lamb. What a mighty act of redemption, but what Passover lamb, even Messiah, Jesus. The child will ask another question. On this night, why do we eat only bitter herbs? And why do we have to dip them twice? Let me explain. We use parsley or lettuce. And this is the symbol of life. Before we eat them, we will dip them into salt water, which represents the tears of life. And we do this as a reminder that a life without redemption is a life immersed in tears. Next, we have the hazaret the root of the bitter herb itself. And we'll use an onion or a horseradish root. And this symbolizes and it teaches us that the root of life is bitter, as it was for my ancestors in Egypt. Then we have the maror, freshly grown horseradish. Now, we are supposed to eat about a tablespoonful of horseradish. Any volunteers? Do you know what happens when you eat a tablespoonful of horseradish? You cry. You have no choice in the matter. And take it from me. I know it. I always cry. And then we have something very specific. Why do we eat matzah? That's the question. And we have on the table this strange-looking pouch. And in it, we have three layers of unleavened bread. And each one is separated from the other by a piece of cloth. I will remove the middle layer. I will recite a blessing and then I will break it in two. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechen Minaretz Amen Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the breath from the earth. And it has been broken in two. I will set on one side one piece and the other piece, I will give it a very specific and special name. I will call it the Afikomen. Now, try saying that word with me, please. Afikomen. Great that you're speaking Greek. That's a, and it is a Greek word that means that which or that comes later. That's exactly what happens. The Afikomen won't eaten just yet. That will happen later. But now it needs to be buried hidden from view. No one else at the table knows where, knows where the afikomen has been hidden, but later on we'll find it or the, the ceremony won't conclude. The next item on the Passover table is this one, and we call it the Hagigah. 
And we will roast the egg for about four hours, and that will make it brown. The hagiga is a token of grief for our ancestors. And also represents the sacrifice that was performed on the altar in the temple. And it's also a reminder that those sacrifices are no longer offered. During the seder, it is broken up and a slice given out to each person at the table dipped into salt water, and then we will partake it. Now, the last item on the Passover table is this one, the shankbone of the lamb, and we call it the zeroach. And it means extended or strong arm. That's what it means. Well, in some traditions, in some Jewish traditions, lamb was not served at Passover. You will, you will get a beautiful piece of chicken. But there is a very interesting thing about these two elements. Without temple, without lamb of God, without sacrifice, how is it possible to atone for our sins? Because God says that the only blood atonement, for I have given it to you on the altar to make the light atonement for your sins. For it is the blood by reason of without life that makes atonement. But without temple, without altar, without sacrifice, how? You guys are in trouble. See, I know Jesus. He's my pal. He's my savior. And that's the way. That's the only way that we can attain redemption and salvation. After the first cup has been taken comes the second cup, the cup of plagues. And in Jewish tradition, we are supposed to count 10 drops as we remember the 10 plagues that were poured upon the Egyptians. We mourn their loss. And we express sorrow over their destruction. But there is a very important lesson in this cup. Pharaoh refused to do God's will. He hardened his heart and he said, no, I will not, I refuse. As a consequence, he brought death and destruction not only upon the land of Egypt, but into whom his son died because he, Pharaoh, hardened his heart. How often do we choose our own desires over God's direction? How often do we know God's will for our own lives and we say, no, I refuse, I will not? Well, allow me to give you a little piece of Jewish wisdom. If God is telling you to do something, just do it. You'll end up doing it anyway, and then it hurts. But as I've said, Passover is a night of remembering a night of redemption, and a night to bring peace into our, home, into our homes, the peace that God gives us 
this is Yeshua, our Messiah. We will take a break and we will enjoy our meal together at this point. But since there is no meal, you shall not have a break. I shall continue. After we have partaken of the third cup, we will walk into the conclusion of the service, but we cannot conclude just yet because earlier something was broken, buried, and now it needs to be brought back. Do you remember what it was? The afikomen. All the children will search for the afikomen, but only one will find it where it has been hidden. After it is found, it is returned to the head of the house. And it will be broken again. Each person at the table will receive a small piece of the afikomen about the size of an olive. This broken piece will be taken along with a cup of redemption. Does it look familiar? Well, it should, for this is the origin of our communion service. Not only that, consider this. Where else can we, can we have a clear picture of our Messiah Jesus that in this custom of the afikomen, which is broken, buried, and then brought back. Even the matzah, a symbol of a sinless nature, we can see Jesus, the image of Jesus in it. As it is prepared, there are strict regulations as how it should be done. It shouldn't be taking more than 30 seconds to make it. It is pierced. to make certain that it remains unleavened. In the process, it is also striped. Jesus was striped, as the prophet Isaiah foretold. By his stripes, we are healed. As the prophet Jesus was pierced. As the, prophet, as the prophet Zechariah foretold, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And it was at this time in the cedar that Jesus did something extraordinary up to that point. We don't know where he got this custom of including a cup of wine during the Passover because as you read, the story of the Passover in Exodus, there is no wine. And yet, as audacious as he is, he introduces the cup of wine for the first time in the history of the Passover, and he says, take this and drink it. This is my blood in the new covenant. And he is mentioning to that new covenant promised by the prophet Jeremiah. And then he takes the matzah, and he breaks it, and he says, take this as my body, as my flesh, and eat. 
and do this redemption memory. See the third cup, the cup of as remembrance of the body and the blood of the Passover lamb. But I do it today as I remember Yeshua dying on a cross on that faithful day. And I remember his redeeming work because he has given me eternal life. And that life is for you as well.